Good afternoon, everyone. This is your call to worship. Today is Saturday, August 27th, the fourth Saturday of August, and the last one of August 2022. Greetings on behalf of our pastor, Reverend Dr. Millicent Black. Welcome to Refuge from the Storm Church, our ministry of hope, encouragement, and purpose. We seek to serve targeted individuals in North America and around the world. So our regular members, our new listeners and guests, thank you for spending a portion of your Saturday with us. Your presence is very important to us, and thank you for coming. We pray that something that is said or done today will encourage you. Draw near to God, and God will draw near to you. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and God will exalt you. Remember, God is fighting your battles, arranging things in your favor, making a way even when we don't see it. Our serving team today is Brother Bob Pierce, our Zoom moderator, Sister Helena Thompson, our Minister of Music. Sister Cheryl Miller-Harvey will offer the altar prayer. Reverend Dr. Milson Black, our pastor, will deliver the preached word. Sister Greta Ayers will offer the invitation to discipleship. And I, Carolyn Cunningham, will be your worship leader. We ask all of you on this call to pray in your daily prayers for Refuge from the Storm Church members, the Worldwide Church, our families and friends, TIs around the world, advocacy and activist groups, the loved ones of those who've died from targeting coronaviruses and other catastrophic illnesses. Also pray that all government officials be moved by the Holy Spirit to discern the will of God, to do God's will and not do their will. Please pray for world peace. Pray for all refugees, victims of the worldwide climate crisis that's causing extreme starvation in some parts of the world. Please pray for the loved ones of all victims of gun violence and for the survivors who sustained severe injuries. Thank you for your attention. Now let us listen to a praise, our opening praise and worship song. After that, I will return with the invocation and prayer. Amen. Amen. Just like a tree planted by the waters, I shall not be moved. Good evening and good afternoon to others, those of us in Central Standard Time. It is still yet before 6 p.m. I give thanks and praise to God, our Father, as the head of the Trinity for our yet spared lives for Jesus his son and for the precious Holy Spirit who is yet in the earth, giving us aid and assistance, interceding on our behalf, teaching us what we need to know and doing what God has commanded. I join Elder Carolyn in welcoming you to our service today. We're so thankful to have Elder Carolyn back, thankful that she is is back feeling uh, better and on the job again. I'm always proud to acknowledge those who work tirelessly to help me offer services to you that will strengthen your walk with the Lord. We have the ministry team made up of the associate ministers, the Bible study leaders, our worship coordinator, 
a Zoom and talk shoe managers and administrative assistant. And then there's Sister Greta Ayers who offers our invitation to discipleship each week. This is a very important task as she invites anyone who does not know Jesus as savior into the family of God. I say much obliged to each of you and to our associate pastors, Terrence and Pamela Wilson and advisors, Dr. Linda Johnson, Dr. Carmen Cruz, Minister Myra Buchanan and Sister Georgina Porter Wilson for your commitment to the work of the ministry of the Lord. Our advisors literally advise us on matters related to business and to membership. We are under submission. It's important that you all understand that. We are under submission to others so that we are helped to keep walking in the straight and the narrow path. We look to others to give us advice, to help us to prepare our budgets, to make sure that our spending is, is proper and, and adequate and to just uh, help us to resolve any problems or issues that might arise. And so I thank God for sending us people who are qualified and themselves dedicated to the ministry of Jesus Christ. And to God be the glory. We live all across these United States from California to Maryland and Washington state to Ohio, Kentucky, Texas to Tennessee and even Canada. We all work together by God's grace to make this worship service and other services during the week possible. Our scripture from today, for today is, is uh, coming from the Old Testament. It's, it's um, somewhat familiar scripture, but it's gonna be a springboard for a series, I believe, of um, messages that will be coming regarding trees. So before I read the scripture, I want you all to look out your window and if there's a tree in front of in front of your view, just kind of stare at it for a second and look at how tall it is, what the branches are, or how how they are going out from each part of the trunk. If you can see the base of it, look at how thick it is around the bottom, uh, what the wood might be looking like. If you can see a tree, look at the fact that it's pointed up to the sky and yet we don't see anything holding it up. That's what we're gonna be talking about today. So from Deuteronomy chapter 20, verses 19 through 20, when you besiege a city a long time to make war against it in order to capture it, you shall not destroy its trees by swinging an ax against them, for you may eat from them and you shall not cut them down. For is the tree of the field a man that you, it should be besieged by you? Only the trees which you know are not fruit trees you shall destroy and cut down, that you may construct siege works against the city that is making war with you until it falls. Let us pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, we come before your presence, Lord, rejoicing at the opportunity to bow before your holiness and to sit, oh God, in your presence. We thank you so very much for meeting us here, God, for, 
filling us afresh and anew to not just to hear your word, oh God, but me to share your word. Thank you, Father, for bringing me through the obstacles, through the suffering, through the pain, oh God, through the trauma, Father, as I continue to yield to you because I give you my love and my life in Jesus' name. Amen. So the title of the message for today is Trees for the Family of God. Trees for the Family of God. Last Sunday after church, I went to Burger King to get some breakfast. I attend church locally. I then pulled into one of the parking spaces there at Burger King where I sat and ate my meal while reading a devotion that had been sent to me by a friend by text. Somehow my attention was turned to the greenery around me. And I know that I got to the verse or a verse that referred to trees and I'm constantly being reminded of them. I'm always at home among trees and greenery because I was told that the color green represents the family of God. So if any of you have been told that the color green represents Satan, listen, God made the colors. The color of green was in the rainbow and green is, we see the color green in the earth more than any other color. And I just, take that as truth that it represents the family of God so whenever God looks down from heaven at the earth if he looks at the floor of the earth more than likely he's going to see a lot of green on the floor if he looks on the sides which would be the walls of the earth he's going to see the green trees standing up and pointing up so I believe that God and, and he's reminded that you and I are down here so I believe God is reminded of the, of the family every time he sees the greenery when I got home, I picked up my devotional by David Jeremiah, and there I, I was reminded again about the value of a tree. That particular pericope will be this, the focus of our, of our message for next week, and again, it's about trees. The devotional scripture referenced the book of Ezekiel, and as I began to read all of those scriptures, I realized that there was something deeper to the parable about trees and God's reference to trees that I was seeing. We'll start this journey though, as I've already said, through the use of trees in the book of Ezekiel next week. Cause I believe as I Googled this to see how many times the word tree appeared in the book of Ezekiel, it came up with at least four different passages of scripture. Today, we will revisit information that I have shared before about the importance of trees in the Bible and to us as humans who are living in God's world. And this is just recognizing that some of you may be new and have not heard some of the information. I, I try not to ever give just the same information verbatim from the last time I go through and ask God to show me what else I need to add and what else. I, I have missed in terms of revelation. And so today we're going to try and share this good news. It's good news with you. As I got to the end of my meditation last Sunday, I turned and looked at the trees that lined the front yard of the hospital because I was sitting in a parking space that was directly across the street from the local hospital. I'm just thinking about the significance of that picture 
I did actually take some photographs. It was just so real to me and so overwhelming. All of those trees stood so tall. They were all very full. They actually lined together in such a way that it almost built a fort, a fortress in front of the hospital itself. And as I looked at the leaves, I thought about the hospital behind it and was reminded that God said that the leaves of the trees would be for the healing of the nation. Today, we turn to the hospital for healing, sometimes forgetting the many remedies that God has provided for us to be healed. I actually once had a practitioner who told me she was a reflexologist. And so this lady is massaging my feet and, and, and massaging out any kind of lumps that she found in them that, that uh, represented calcium in different areas of my body. And all of a sudden she looked up at me and she said, you need to go sit under some trees. And I looked at her and I thought, hmm. But in an article that was written by Carissa Donahue, and it's entitled The Healing Power of Trees. I invite y'all to go back and look at it. It was really very revealing. I learned that just walking or driving in a forest of trees can have a positive effect on the brain, eyes, lungs, nose and mouth, heart, any illness that you might have. It will have a, a, a positive effect on your balance, on your social connection, and even your mental health. I really enjoy driving down lanes and through country roads where trees are standing on each side and they're pro producing a, the, a, a, a shadow across the top. It just feels so warm and comforting. It, I, I come through so peaceful. I'm not sure what it is, except that those trees are giving me positive energy. And as I was reading that particular article, it talked about the fact that if we come to appreciate a tree, that we literally can build a relationship with it. And it recognizes that its job is to minister to us. It's, there's just so much that we don't know, and I know God needs for us to know it because of the times in which we're living right now. There's so many activities that are threatening the trees right now in this country. The first trees spoken of in the Bible were found in the garden shortly after creation. Adam and Eve were allowed to eat the fruit of any tree except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Along comes Satan or the snake or the serpent who asked Eve the question, hath God said? And she ate of the fruit and gave some to Adam. This was the most egregious sin that humanity could have ever made for death entered the world as a result of it. In Deuteronomy 20 verses one through four, God gave Moses instructions on how to fight their enemies. I preached that message and was entitled when a holy God fights a holy war. God gave, gave Moses the, um, the way to reduce the number of men who were going to war. And that reduction was to ensure their victory. 
He was to let them go back if they just built a house, if they just planted a vineyard, if they just purchased land, if they had just gotten married, or if they were just plain scared. God did not want any distractions to cause the loss of the battle. So God allowed these men to return home. Next, God told Israel things that would help them be assured of God's presence to fight for them and to ensure their victory in every battle. Now, Sister Cheryl, starting Wednesday, starting next Wednesday, September, is that September 7th? Um, Sister Cheryl is gonna start a Bible study teaching on spiritual warfare. And this was kind of God's strategy of spiritual warfare for the children of Israel. The points that were made was don't fear, don't fret, and don't forget. Don't fear your enemies. Don't be concerned about how big they are, how much their weapons may weigh, or how many men they have. And don't forget that God is with you. Israel could believe that only because of the Lord's presence, his power and his promise assured them victory. After these words of encouragement, God then told Israel to offer their enemies peace before going to war against them. He told them to destroy everyone and everything that did not accept their peace. And all of the spoil could be carried with them to Israel. God did not want Israel to get involved with any of the inhabitants of Canaan. So he said, you, you destroy every person and everything that was sacred to them because God didn't want Israel to get involved with religious habits of those Canaanites for they worshiped idol gods and they practiced sacrificing of their children to these gods. God did not want Israel led away from worshiping him. Today, we will look at the last scriptures of this chapter in Deuteronomy 20, verses 19 and 20, in which God tells Israel to not destroy the trees if they could be used for food. Israel was given permission to use trees that did not produce food, but only be to construct a wall for protection against their enemies. We think of trees because of their beauty, their use in building homes, offices, bridges, furnishings for our homes, churches and office buildings. However, the most important use for many of the trees in the world today is for food and medicine. Without guidelines from God on which trees were not to be cut down, Israel might have found themselves, their families and future generations without food and dying from diseases that could have been healed by the leaves from the tree. Trees exchange oxygen for carbon dioxide and other gases. They stabilize the ground to stop or prevent erosion and provides a habitat and food for birds and other animals. I read that one tree can supply enough oxygen for four people a day. Now, if God knew that one tree could provide enough oxygen for four people 
a day. Don't you think God planted enough trees to provi provide oxygen for 6 billion people? Do you realize how many trees must be standing in order that everyone has enough oxygen to breathe? What we're finding today though is that animals are coming into our space because their habitat has been disturbed. The building of houses and apartment buildings and new uh, businesses are, are now going into the areas where animals have, have since lived. And because of that, they're finding themselves with nowhere to go, nowhere to find food, not knowing what to do. They're coming into our space. I saw a red fox run through our, our apartment complex one night. I saw that thing run through several times. Each time he ran out of a little space between the apartment complex and a business. But when you look back at where he used to live, there's houses and other things being erected. He didn't know what to do. Men are like trees. We stand through the winds and the rain. Tornadoes rarely blow over a well-rooted tree. They don't bend or bow unless their trunk is designed for that. If the trunk is designed and they do bend or bow under the weight of the wind or the rain, the tree will stand back up as soon as it's relieved of the weight of the pressure. I want to assure you, God made you the same way. We do bend under the weight of what we go through. We sometimes bow because of the pain and the suffering that we're forced to endure. But when all of that is lifted, we stand right back up. I was being hurt so badly yesterday in my legs. It hurt so bad to walk, but I had a lot of walking to do. And all I would have liked to have done was to stop walking. But I said to one person who was, who was looking at me at the time, I said, you know, this is all being caused by frequencies. But if he turned the frequencies off, I'll walk natural again. That's the way God made us. God made us to withstand whatever comes at us, just like a tree. The branches and the leaves are firmly fixed to the trunk and rarely do they blow off or become detached. And yet we don't understand how they survive some of those high wind forces that we see when a, a heavy rainstorm or a tornado or even a hurricane goes through. Like a tree, a man or woman of God can grow strong. They can be well-rooted and grounded. They can become productive and prosperous and not easily moved in their Christian faith. Notice I said they can grow. But it takes effort. It takes effort for a man or woman of God to grow. It takes investment of time in ourselves. It takes that investment of time must be in God. So what that means is we have to set aside time to be with God if we are going to grow. So growth of the family of God, like a tree, depends on the soil, the amount of water is given, the proper amount of sun, and I mean the S-O-N and the S-U-N must be received and the child of God and the tree must have the attention of the planter. So whether it's the child of God, which we are, 
or a tree that's standing outside your window right now, we must, we both must have the attention of the planter, God himself. He or she must be pruned. The old branches must be removed that the new stronger branches and rich fruit might come. Now we've talked previously about what kind of fruit to expect from a tree of a Christian who has been cared for by God. The fruit that the spirit produces is love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And the Bible tells us in the book of Galatians against which there is no law. So now if we're following the fruit of the spirit, the verses before that in the book of Galatians chapter five talks about all of the corrupt things that humanity can do either to each other or to themselves. But the assurance is that if we're walking according to this fruit, we don't have to produce all that negative stuff that comes from those who are not yielded to the spirit of God. Jesus spoke to this as a warning to the disciples in John 15 by telling them, abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. So neither can you unless you abide in me. Now, I don't know how many of you have raised gardens, but if you've raised gardens, especially planted green beans, that's a great example of what it means to abide in the vine because the green bean becomes a vine itself and the offshoot on the branches come the green bean itself. So the way to keep the vine producing beans you have to take them off. You have to pick them off as soon as they are, are grown, as soon as they're fully ready to be picked. If you leave them hanging on, they'll begin to dry up on the vine and the vine will become non-productive. So it is with a tomato plant. I have a neighbor, a friend actually, who brought me a tomato plant as a gift. And I went, oh me, cause I'm never home or, or able to notice enough to keep the thing watered. So my neighbor says, well, I'll water it for you. And without water, I go out of my front door and that tomato plant is dry to a crisp. But just water it. I mean, all it needs is water. And the next time you go out the door, the leaves have come back out. The vine is standing up straight and it actually had a bloom on it. But it has to be connected to the vine. So it is with us. You just try disconnecting yourself from Jesus Christ. Try just telling the Holy Spirit he can go on vacation for a week or two and see how long you can stand and withstand the pressures of this world. Ezekiel tells us more about the trees that offer food and healing. He was taken by the spirit into the temple. As he was carried through the water, he came upon the trees he described as standing on each side of the banks of the river. He said that there were trees that were growing of all kinds of food. Notice he said food. He didn't say fruit at that point. He said of food. Their leaves will not wither 
nor their fruit fail, but they will bear fresh fruit every month because the water for them flows from the sanctuary. Notice the significance is they bear fruit because the water flows. Their fruit will be food and their leaves will be used for the healing of the nations. The way the leaves are used, they're crushed. The fruit can be picked and peeled and sometimes eaten the way it is. Fruit can be well canned. And I don't know if they were able to even do that during that period of time. But what we do know is that there were multiple kinds of fruit. It said there was a different fruit every month and it was for food. You are already familiar with the trees that provide food. And some of those same trees also provide oils from the leaves, from the crushing of the leaves that are for medicinal purposes. The leaves can be boiled or crushed to produce oil that can also be used for healing the body because it can be rubbed on the skin. Around us are trees that grow apples, oranges, peaches, cherries, pears, plums, many other kinds. However, notice that God did not allow some fruit to grow in America. That fruit only grows in a specific part of the world. So we have to know that God knew what we would need individually. And when I say individually, I mean South America gets, gets the fruit they need to live. North America gets the fruit they need to live. Those up in, the, in, in Antarctica, they get what will grow and what God knows they need. And yeah, they even have a Southern Ocean now, but those down in the Caribbean get the fruit that they need to live. God ministers to us individually. Then there are nut trees, walnuts, pecans, and many others. The bark of a tree can be used to make oil as does the leaves from some of them. Evergreen tree produces cinnamon, clove, and other oils used as spices. Who would have thought an evergreen tree with all those little um, pine, those little pine needles that get all over everywhere at Christmas time if you bring in a live tree. But those little pine needles, do you all know that right now, pine needle tea is what's recommended to uh, counteract the COVID shot? Don't tell me God didn't know what he was doing. Look it up, pine tree oil. It's recommended. God knew what he was doing, he really did. When he carefully considered everything it would take to keep us alive. And he provided that his earth would produce it through plants and trees with the existence of the garden, water and the sun. Jesus also refers to the fact that a man is known by the fruit that he bears. Keep that in mind, Yahweh, as you yield to the temptation of getting angry or you yield to the temptation of saying one of those words that we don't want anybody else to hear us say to the perpetrators. Think about it, that's fruit that's being born. And we don't want to be known by that kind of fruit. 
He explained to the disciples though that a good tree or a good man or woman cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree or man or woman bear good fruit. And y'all, I've been that's been my defense for these last 26 years. Look, the word says a good tree cannot bear bad fruit. And I have good fruit and good fruit that remain. So then Jesus told them to just keep watching. And I tell each of you, just keep watching what comes out of the life of a tree or a man or a woman. And you will see what kind of tree that person is. Thus the cursing of the fig tree in the gospels of Matthew and Mark. Jesus came upon the fig tree and saw leaves on it where there should have been fruit. And Jesus knew immediately that was a bad tree. If the tree was in an orchard, most likely it stood among the other fig trees and only Jesus or a skilled grower would have been able to tell that the tree was dead. You might not be able to look at a tree and tell that it's dead just like you can't always tell the spiritual condition of a person, but the word of God says, by their fruit, you shall know them. So Jesus cursed the fig tree and told it it would not bear anything else except for one thing. Jesus put on it the task of notifying humanity of the soon coming of the second of, of Jesus of the se soon second coming of Jesus Christ. Imagine that Jesus cursed the fig tree because it was seen to be bad and it was not doing its job. But Jesus said, by the time I'm ready to come again, you're going to be all straightened out and I'll use you to tell humanity that I'm on my way. Y'all, you, you have to listen and look at the signs of the time. Now I could go on other examples with other examples, but I want to talk about the most important tree of all. That tree was the one that our savior carried up Golgotha's hill to Calvary. That tree was not named in scripture, but from this story comes the legend of the dogwood. Notice I said legend. This tree produces its blooms around resurrection time each year. Some of you know it as Easter. The description of the flower is that it's shaped in four petals and at the center edge of each petal is a brown pierce as if a, a nail had been there. The center of the flower is shaped like a crown representing the crown of thorns that was pressed into Jesus's head. The dogwood tree is one of the most beautiful trees that blooms each year, though its size is significantly smaller than most other trees. The legend says that this tree was cursed because of the death of Jesus, which is why it does not grow like others. This tree, we I understood, I read, used to tower y'all as tall as any of the other trees. It used to go as tall as this tree that I'm looking at right now outside of my window, way over the building uh, across the street. And they cut that tree off to hold Jesus's body. And now that tree doesn't grow any taller 
than that. We can't prove that this story is any more than a legend. However, what we do know is that a cross was made of wood from a tree. That cross was carried up a rugged hill to Calvary by Jesus with the assistance of Simon of Cyrene. Nails went into his hands and his feet along with that crown of thorns on his head. There was a dice game going on at his feet for Jesus's garment and from that cross, Jesus uttered seven last phrases. Father, forgive them, but they do not know what they do. Truly, I say to you, he said to the thief on the cross, today you will be with me in paradise. Jesus said to his mother, woman, this is your son. Then he said to the disciple, this is your mother. He uttered the words to God himself, my God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? Then he said to the soldiers, I thirst. When Jesus had received the wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and handed over the spirit. Then Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Father, into your hands, I commend my spirit. All of this was done from a tree called a cross. So I'll cherish the old rugged cross till my trophies at last I lay down. I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown. Amen.